thank God Almighty we get an opportunity to visit and express some free speech and talk about the fact that conservative Republicans, well, they have a problem. One of them is they're afraid to tell the truth. Not I mean just fully tell the truth, politicians in general, but I'd expect more of particularly conservative Christian politicians. And so what I thought I'd do is provide an example of what telling the truth in a political atmosphere looks like. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Being reunited with a bunch of old friends today. So if you haven't heard the show in a while because we moved straight to podcasts and you're wondering where I'm at, I'm here. And to the people who went early on and downloaded and subscribed to the podcast before it came back to Apple, and now we're back. So a lot of people hearing this today for the first time in about a week. It is so good to be reunited with you. Second hour today, my friend Zach Abraham joins us. Um, He is a truth teller about finance. He is a good Christian man who manages, I think, I think it's about $400 million in money. He and I had a conversation the other day, and it was one of those conversations where I was sitting in in the truck getting ready to pump gas. And Zach explained to me that the Federal Reserve broke the law in this, I mean, just blatant way. And I hadn't heard a thing about this. And it affects your 401k, but more importantly, it affects small business. It affects housing prices. And there's a reason they're not supposed to do this. So second hour today, Zach Abraham joins us. And he'll talk talk through what this means, what it is, and then what are the George Soros is doing? Zach is a, is a truth teller. So that, that'll be the second hour of the day. And on the topic of truth, it occurred to me, you know, thou shalt not lie. Uh, furthermore, don't be ashamed of the word of God. And I'm looking at a lot of conservative, well, they call themselves conservative Christians. And there are some who will just flat out tell the truth about things. Uh, and I'm thinking about in this, in this case, in the separate country of DC, that the capital and just for the record, our show is the first one to use the Hunger Games scenario. And I can prove that. Not that it matters. That's ego speaking. But the inability of politicians to tell the truth, this is the winning thing. You know, I can remember Rush, God rest him. I'm going to do something, by the way, um, up near Christmas. The Maha loved Christmas. And I got to fill in for Rush. Oh boy, Christmas. Was it Christmas Eve? I think it was the first time there was, because he loved the Christmas season. So I'm going to do something maybe tomorrow, or it might be next week, specifically about what we learned from Rush, because you know, this will be our first Christmas without him. So Rush used to say that Republicans are, are afraid of bold colors and bold differences. And they're afraid to be that bold difference. They want to be Democrat light. Rush, I think, invented that phrase. I think it's gone past that. I think polit- I think Republicans, conservative politicians, and are, are one, deeply afraid of the base. They hate the base. I know this for a fact. They're embarrassed by the base, utterly embarrassed. They're also conflicted in ways 
that make it um, kind of impossible for them to tell the truth about key topics. So I thought what we do today is give some examples of how Republicans respond to things today, conservative Christian Republicans. You know, and, and to be to be a Christian means things. Oh, speaking of that, did you hear Biden? I don't have this soundbite, but did you? And if I had a predict, well, because it's a podcast, so I'd do this on my own. If it was live, right, I'd have someone grab this. Biden was giving one of his, I like to whisper because I'm, I think he thinks that this is profound when he whispers. I think he thinks it's counter to President Trump. And what it is, is it's, it's creepy. And I just caught part of this during show prep and then had to head out of the out of the house and came back. And this has been on my mind. So Biden was saying, oh, you know, we're better as people when we uh, recognize that we're people uh, and uh, it's just Americans. And uh, I mean, look, I, no one uh, I can't def- you can't define American. It's not a you can't define what it is to be an American. It's not a uh, ethnicity or a. Uh, it's you know a race. It's just no one can define it. Really, I can. A legal citizen of the United States of America. Boom, American. Now that's not senility. <laughs> that's programming. That's that's a dude programmed. No one can define American. And the purpose of that, of course, is because they want to be able to have the world tax us. That's the purpose of that. You know, they've, they're they huge fans of globalism. And they want the globe to be able to tax us. And and that's another thing that the, that the you notice that, that conservative Christian politicians don't use that phrase, globalists. Why is that? No, I'm just asking a question. Why is that? Sometimes the obvious emperor has no closed questions are they sound stupid and, and they sound banal. But no, I just if I could sit with Mitch McConnell and say, hey, why don't you use the phrase globalist? And when you when you call out, you know, when you call things out like that, that are that it's cultural with them. Like you've heard me use the phrase ethnically liberal meaning that people actually don't know why they're liberal. They're just ethnically liberal. If you were to sit with McConnell and you say, Mitch, why don't you use the phrase globalist? I guarantee you'd get about 13 seconds of dead air and just blue screening, staring at you. I don't think he'd have an answer to that. It's like when when people said when I was in D.C. and and there there was a protest, a Tea Party protest about auditing the Fed. And these career politicians, these professional Republicans came into the room and said, I cannot believe there's people here who want to audit the Fed. They want to audit the Fed. I saw their signs. They said, audit the Fed. That's our nation's banking system. And they want to audit it. And I just said this. I said, wait, that's wrong. Auditing your bank is wrong. Actually, I'd, I'd like that. And maybe it's because they don't want the answer. But... Asking questions that appear really childlike and stupid. I mean, on a spiritual basis, Jesus said, hey, if you want to find me, you, know, you got to, you have to be childlike. So here goes the exercise. 
this is this is how how so-called conservative Republicans respond to things today. And then I will go th- I'll go through how they respond today. Three items. Just these just I picked these examples because they're in the news. And I will go through these and then I will go and, and explain how I would do it. This is this is the Fouch. And he's on with a lady on the on the on one of the NBCs, the CN or MS or or AB or whatever. And she asks him, um, is it true that we're going to change the definition of fully vaccinated? Is that is that true? And he's been saying, well, I, I would like to do that. But lawsuits, uh, they're making it hard. L- listen to this and then I'll tell you how maybe maybe Rand Paul has a decent approach to this, but not the one I would want. So here's the Fouch. Pfizer's chief scientific officer said this morning on CNN that he thinks fully vaccinated against Omicron. It means three doses. So do you think the definition of fully vaccinated should now change? Well, you know, as you say, it's a technical, almost semantic definition. And it is the definition for requirements. If someone says, are you fully vaccinated to be able to attend class in a university or a college or be able to work in a workplace? Right now, Kate, I don't see that changing tomorrow or next week. But certainly, if you want to talk about what optimal protection is, I don't think anybody would argue that optimal protection is going to be with a third shot. Whether or not it officially gets changed in the definition, I think that's going to be considered literally on a daily basis. That's (laughs) a definition of a thing changes on a daily basis. What other industry gets away with we've we've I've said this before on the show, change the definition to car. Or buy a house, buy spend you know, a million bucks in a house and then go to have move in day. And you arrive and you go in through the front door and you carry your wife across the threshold and inside it's 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 filled with uh, nothing. There's nothing. It's a box. They said, wait a minute, I bought a house. Well, we changed the definition of that. Now a house is a box. So the Republican response, the conservative Republican response is, except for Rand Paul or Ron Johnson. But the standard response is, uh, I don't know American people. Uh, uh, I have enough of a uh, you know, beer crack overage, but I don't like an official. Uh, obviously, we, we agree uh, everybody should get vaccinated. Uh, uh, we, we agree everybody should get the boosters. And, and uh, we agree Pfizer is very important to the country. And uh, they make some of their stuff now in Kentucky. Uh, I, I just think, you know, we did, uh, yeah, yeah. But it should be a choice. We don't think of a big business. Should be able to, I don't think the people should be forced. Uh, the Republican response is Joe Biden overreaching. Boom, baby, victory, bright colors. Not. We'll get to how I think they should respond to the Fouch. And it's not about tactics. It's not. It's about the truth. It's about speaking the truth. And man, that's unpopular. There are, do you know, my wife was telling me, Dr. Ryan Cole, who is, uh, he has the largest immunological clinic lab, immunological lab in the Western United States out of uh, Idaho Falls. 
And he is a COVID truth teller. He's the guy who said, look, I am watching the data. I am, I, I, I'm an immunological lab. I'm looking at blood samples all day long. We're seeing cancers coming back. We're seeing diseases that have gone away coming back. We're seeing, you want the number of all numbers. It's the excess death rate, which is up. In the, in the mass vax countries like Ireland, this through the roof. All cause, mortality is called. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. I was going to say about Ryan Cole. Apparently, my wife was telling me he's been removed from a network of immunological labs because he disagrees with them. Chilling. So we'll get to how to respond to the Fauci. That's the, that's the traditional Republican response. Here's another. You have this woman, Hillary Clinton, and I don't have the music to warn you. I'm sorry. I'm still working on a licensing deal so that I can play music like that on the air. I hope to have that approved next week, and then we'll get back to the show featuring music. I, I'm, it's, uh, trust me, I miss it. So this is, um, this is this woman, and I don't remember her name. No, I do. It's Hillary Clinton. And do you remember that she ran for president and used a foreign countries intelligence, which was faked in order to attempt a coup attempt, a takedown of her opponent by employing the Federal Bureau of Investigation to spy on her opponent and then announce that her opponent was a Russian spy. She used this for a year. It poisoned the country. It's, it was it was a flat coup attempt. She, in that meantime, was committing hundreds of national security felonies. So this is this is Hillary in tears reading the speech she would have read had she succeeded in stealing the election. Dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine. Your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that he's having? I love. Well, I love. Well, the, I love the fact that I didn't cleanly cut off the end of this clip. My bad. My bad. Still doing my own production. Well, look, I, I spent my money where I needed to on a, on a digital team and on a podcast team production, but not not on cutting clips. I love the media's response. Wow. Huh. Mm. Mm. How long ago was that? I know people who have lost children and don't respond that emotionally to it. And look, your emotions are your emotions, but maybe she should process this. The Republicans response to all of this, that woman being the, that's the face of corruption. That's the face of lies. That's the face of the law doesn't apply to me. That's the face of too big to fail. That's the face of I'm in the Jeffrey Epstein era tribe. I'm not saying that she did things with Epstein. I'm saying she's in the tribe. This is a person who's in the circle. She is a she is a citizen of the Capitol, not of the United States, of the Capitol. She worked with a corrupt FBI to pull this off, to poison the Trump administration. She worked with a corrupt media who participated in that and has yet to apologize save for that. And this is so bizarre. Jeff Bezos's Washington Post has retracted all the Russia coverage. They're the only ones, to my knowledge. So the Republican response to this, 
I get unfortunate uh, FBI. Uh, they, they need to come forward uh, and, and provide clarity on this. Uh, Well-respected organization, uh, career uh, career diplomats, career leaders. Uh, it's unfortunate American people have been led to believe they can't trust the FBI, uh, and it would be helpful for them to, uh, to come forward and, and just provide some clarity on these things. We do they do think they should appear before the Senate of the United States. Baby, you got me when you said transparent. I'm sweaty with anticipation. Hold on, let me towel off. That's the response. That's it. That's as flat-footed as that is, that's the response. And okay, it's truthful. They should bring some transparency. Great. But that's not the truth about the matter. That's not that's not the core truth. And sometimes it's difficult to speak core truths. And sometimes you have to do this with people you love, and it's hard. You've probably had to confront someone in your family, your life about, you know what, you're drinking too much. I can handle my drink. I didn't say you couldn't. I said you're drinking too much of it. Sometimes like you, you have to confront things. And you would think that conservative Christians could do this. Thou shalt not lie. Last example. And this is in the news this week. Obviously, the Supreme Court is, is it seems slow peddling this decision on abortion. In this case, out of, Ajor, or out of Mississippi. Can you ban abortion at a certain point when the baby is, is you know, this far developed? And it's really what we're really saying is, are we going to admit this is life or not? And they're hanging their hats on. There's a whole bunch of new scientific discoveries. Now we can see life develop. We can see the independence of the human being inside the woman's body. We can see when the heart rate begins. We can start. We can look at this now at levels we've never been able to look at. So when the Supreme Court pretended to have found a right to abortion in the Constitution, they did that without the advantage of the science. Or the, the, pardon me, the results of the of the scientific process and these advancements in technology. So the, the, they're hanging their hat on that. Meanwhile, the the the, the left's position on this is, ah, uh, yeah, we we we're not going to pretend that's not life. We're just going to look. This is precedent. It's just this is the way it's always been done, but only for the last fifty years. That's their position. Now well, you can't change it because courts can't change things. These are the same people talking about packing the Supreme Court. It's the same party that's packed the Supreme Court before. It's the same party that's saying we need to change the Second Amendment. It's the same party that's going around the country in an effort to erase the Electoral College. Nah, but it's precedent. And John Roberts, who is very conflicted, but is allowed apparently to be divisive. He's allowed to maybe vote his conscience or rule in his conscience on his conscience on issues like this that divide the country, just not on things important to the party, like smashing religion, like inventing new genders, like um, like like Obamacare, things like that. But on abortion, apparently he gets to do that. And Brett Kavanaugh has pointed out, no, 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 no. The Supreme Court changes things all the time. It happens all the time. And here's what California is threatening to do if this happens, if the the Supreme Court were to, let's say, do away with Roe versus Wade at a federal level or to adopt this or to let stand this Mississippi law. Dream of going up to her. Oh, sorry. Dream of going up to her. No, stop it. I said stop. 
This is what California is talking about doing. Now, one of the biggest stories of this week has been the future of abortion rights. More than 20 states are poised to ban or restrict abortions if the Supreme Court upholds a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy or goes even further and overrules Roe versus Wade entirely. If that does happen, California could end up seeing a massive influx of women seeking abortion care. According to a recent study by the Guttmacher Institute, if Roe versus Wade falls in 20 20- states implement a total ban on abortion, California could see a near 3,000% in rise in women of reproductive age driving to the state for abortion access. That's roughly 1.4 million women, the majority of whom would likely come from one state, Arizona. Good. Not not good on the abortion front. I, I, don't, want, I don't want more abortions. I, I, want, I don't want any. Good. Let the divisiveness become real. Let, let the cold civil war be very evident. Let people have even more binary choices. Let it happen. God is allowing it to occur. He is saying, choose, choose your team, guys. You got team God and then you got the other team. And I'm not saying the Republicans are team God, by the way. I'm not saying that. Right? Plenty of them are not. Plenty of them are on the opposite teams. Plenty of them don't care. They're in the they're in the middle, or they're their own gods, which is a losing prospect, but nonetheless fun for some people. The typical Republican response to this, and again, there are people who break the mold, and 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 I think God smiles on that. There are conservatives, conservative Christians who break the mold, and they'll call abortion what it is. But the standard Republican response to this is. We, we respect life and, and we just respect the Supreme Court and this is a state's decision and, and this, uh, that's it. So what should the responses be, right? How do you speak truth in an era of lies? And how do you do that as a conservative Christian politician? And how do you, starting with Fauci, how do you answer with bright colors, bright differences, as the Maha would have said? How do you make that happen? I'll give an example for that. Three examples. Hey, one thing you can do now that we're reunited is tell 10 friends. Right? We took a leap. Leap of faith. Took the show independent. Just send people to thetoddhermanshow.com and that way they can share the show with their friends. If you did that with 10 people, we would have the, well, we in, in, a, in a matter of a month, we'd have the number one podcast in the country because it's already quite large now that we're united with our friends on Apple, um, on Apple iTunes. Coming up this uh, next hour, my friend Zach Abraham, you speak of truth telling. Did you know that the Federal Reserve stole from you? They did. They, they broke the law. Uh, it's, it's not even debatable. So we'll talk about that on the next hour of this podcast. So that's the, those are the Republicans. Those are the standard responses. So let's go back through this. But let's respond in the right way. Let's respond in a truth-telling way, starting with the Fouch. Pfizer's chief scientific officer said this morning on CNN that he thinks fully vaccinated against Omicron, it means three doses. So do you think the definition of fully vaccinated should now change? Well, you know, as you say, it's a technical, almost semantic definition. And it is the definition for requirements. If someone says... Are you fully vaccinated to be able to attend class in a university or a college or be able to work in a workplace? 
Right now, Kate, I don't see that changing tomorrow or next week. But certainly, if you want to talk about what optimal protection is, I don't think anybody would argue that optimal protection is going to be with a third shot. Whether or not it officially gets changed in the definition, I think that's going to be considered literally on a daily basis. That's Dr. Fauci has the title doctor. So do a lot of psychopaths. A lot of sociopaths. He wants to state that he's in charge of what it means to be fully vaccinated. He already changed the definition of vaccinated. He's now in charge of the English language. This bureaucrat who sucks the most money per year out of the federal government, plus his people get to share in the patents with Pfizer, who has paid record amounts of money to settle damages that they've done to people. He has now put himself in charge of deciding what the word vaccination means. And he's now rendered it meaningless. This career bureaucrat says this at a time where the data from Ireland is the following. There is nearly universal. In Ireland, it's nearly universal that everybody in the adult population has been injected with the mRNA or the DNA or the ANA COVID shots. You're talking about no unvaccinated, so-called unvaccinated adults left. With that in place, you are looking at record level increases in all-cause mortality. You are looking at people dying from all causes at record levels. This happened in Sweden too, where they got conned into this mass injection program. It's beginning to happen here. We are seeing the highest levels of heart attacks and strokes in young people we've ever seen. Tony Fauci is to be fired. The battle for America starts with removing a guy who has an MD and uses it as a DD, direct dictator. If I am reelected to the Senate of the United States, I will make it my career to make sure that decisions like locking down our economy or forcing people to take medications are never in the hands of one man. It's an obscenity to the American process. Now, is that hard? Was that particularly difficult words to speak? The data I have, I, I, I swim in COVID data. Swim in it. Was that that hard? Really? Truly? So that's an example of telling the truth. And you can disagree that Fauci's a psychopath, and that's fine. That's I don't know him. I don't want to provide false testimony. It's my estimation the man is, psycho, is a psychopath. Because I don't think people who aren't psychopaths do these things. But that's one example. Here's another. So I'm imagining, you know, a Republican goes on. A Republican, for whatever reason, goes on MSNBC or The View or somewhere. And they, they say, 
Uh, Senator, I wanted to ask you, um, you were in the Senate with Hillary Clinton, and she recently had a very emotional appearance on TV where um, uh, she gave a master class on what the White House is like, and, and she read from a speech she was to give had she not won the very, very controversial election against Donald Trump, or some say Russia intervened on behalf of Trump. Dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Mm. (laughs) I'm sorry. I laughed again. I can't. Mm. Ah. Uh-huh. And so, you know, Senator, what, 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 what do you think of this, that that Hillary Clinton, this speech, it certainly, it, it, it hits all the right emotional tones. She's a con artist. You guys bought that? That woman sold the office of the Secretary of the United States to Russia. That's proven. She sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars to her Clinton Foundation, which bankrolled she and Bill's travel, which paid for Chelsea's wedding which paid for homes and and, and incomes for God knows how many people. That woman gave doctored up false research on the president's, uh, on the man she was running against at the time, candidate Trump. She gave that to the FBI. The corrupt FBI then pretended to not know that those were lied, filled, faked documents. Well, the documents were real, but the words on them were fake. Then this corrupt FBI, to work with that corrupt woman, went to a secret court, the FISA court, run by the Supreme Court Justice, John Roberts, and they lied twice. In that same period of time, she committed hundreds of national security felonies by sharing classified information with people without classified clearance. And you're asking me if that hit the right emotional tones. I'm sure she's sad. She's not president because you didn't report this, but I will tell you this when she was no longer president and no longer had office, the revenues or the so-called donations to the Clinton foundation plummeted. Now, why was that? Because the grift was over. That's why that was. That's why it was. Now, is, is that honest? Honestly, goodness, you guys, is that that hard? And I know you're going to get interrupted. You're going to get pushed back from the interviewer, etc. I know that. But that's the point. You get pushback. And you have people say, I have never heard that before. And the mood in the country is this. You have 70% of people who got conned into voting for the figurehead. And their minds, look, oh, they don't get this. They just don't get this. The red pill doesn't change things. It begins the process of changing. The red pill for people is, wow, Joe Biden's senile. 
I didn't know he was senile. I didn't know he had a kid named Hunter. I didn't know Hunter was a meth addict. I didn't know Hunter was in bed with China and with probably, uh, I don't have proof of this, but it looks like he was with, you know, sexual circumstances with, with underage cousins. They don't know this. That's the, the red pill is one pill. And you have 70% of Biden voters going, wow, I didn't know this. He's not mentally fit. And they didn't dive on this. Republicans didn't dive on this to say to the people who are figuring out that Joe Biden is not mentally stable. Can I show you some other things? He's also been a career con artist. It's speaking truth. And sometimes in, in, in these faked up fancy cultures, sometimes speaking truth is just is ridiculously hard for people. I used to have a habit when I was forced to go to a fancy business dinner. And, and look, I'm not ungrateful. People buy dinner. Sometimes we bought the dinners. But back when I was in, in Fortune 500 or Startupville, I'm going to go to these fancy dinners. I had a habit. I This drove people nuts. My business partners sometimes were so embarrassed. But I go to these fancy places and sit down and say, I like a hamburger. Pardon me, sir? Hamburger. Well, have you looked at the, uh, the Kobe beef? Yeah, it's fine. If it has to be Kobe beef. That's fine. But just a hamburger. And these chefs <laughs> get these waiters just filled with hatred at me. And my whole point in this was I'm not going to be seduced. I am not going to fall into seduction of, of, of any kind. And I wasn't at that point a, a, a I wasn't a Christ needer. But maybe it's just me being, maybe it's just me being an iconoclast. I just don't like existing systems like this. But telling the truth, like in a DC setting, hey, are we pretending that the Clintons are honest? All right, just before we get to the dinner party, I need to ask, am I supposed to pretend that Bill Clinton is not a rapist? And you'll have people go, what? I'm just asking. I don't know. Am I supposed to pretend that Bill Clinton's not a rapist? Those sort of truths. Those are hard to tell in circles like that. Bright colors. Does Bill Clinton know it's a sin to cheat on his wife? I'm just asking. Because he does it a lot. All right. Now, to the abortion example. Again. I'm imagining now uh, a debate and the, the, the liberal so-called moderator says California has threatened to become a, a sanctuary state for abortion. If the Supreme Court decides in favor of this Mississippi law, this is a report on that very topic. And then I want to get your response. Senator. Dream of going up to her. This, gosh darn it, me. Now, one of the biggest stories of this week has been the future of abortion rights. More than 20 states are poised to ban or restrict abortions if the Supreme Court upholds a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy or goes even further and overrules Roe versus Wade entirely. If that does happen, California could end up seeing a massive influx of women seeking abortion care. According to a recent study by the Guttmacher Institute, if Roe versus Wade falls and 26 states implement a total ban on abortion, 
abortion, California could see a near 3,000 percent in rise in women of reproductive age driving to the state for abortion access. That's roughly 1.4 million women, the majority of whom would likely come from one state, Arizona. Senator, what's your response on that? My response is this. Um, if women are that committed to killing babies, then then it will be interesting to see what the numbers are. It'll be interesting to see how many women are that committed to killing babies. That's my response. Well, but that's that's my response. That's it. That's what I want to know. How many women? Because that's what this is. It's killing babies. And I know that there are terribly difficult circumstances. I do understand that. A woman is raped. I, I, the baby didn't do it. The baby did not commit the rape. And in that case, man, that that's I I don't know what to do. I would ask the Lord because I think the Lord would say, mm, the baby didn't do it. And that's so hard. So hard. Incest. Just so hard. So hard. I don't know what to do. But in the case of, I find this pregnancy inconvenient, well, then you're murdering. That's your murderer. Because you had the choice to not have sex. Well, you you had the, the following choices, to not date. And if you date, then you had the choice to not become sexually active with the person. And if you became sexually active with the person, you had the choice to use contraceptives or not, or contraceptive techniques or not. You had all those choices that only affected you and and, and really don't even affect your partner, except for the techniques, I guess. You had all those choices that only affected you or maybe to some degree your partner. But at the point of conception where life begins, because life cannot begin without conception, there's not a time where life is not, has begun without conception. Therefore, it does not begin without conception and begins at conception. So at that point, you are a murderer. That's a hard thing. It is a really hard thing. And you don't have to say it that way. I mean, this is an exercise in bold colors. You don't always have to say things that way. For instance, if I were truly trying to win a political race, not a radio show, I might say something like this. Being pregnant when you feel like you're not ready just has to be so frightening. And I would ask women in that position to think of who is living within them. I would. I would would ask them to think about who is that. And and I I would ask them, I would ask them to think of the mother Mary and the baby Jesus. And I'd ask them to think of the fact that she was a teenage mother. 
And she was told by an angel that you're going to give birth to the Savior. You're not going to have had known a man sexually. I'd ask them just to consider that baby Jesus. I'd ask them maybe to look at their husband or their brother or sister or someone they love. And I'd ask them to imagine them back in time. I think of the person you love most. They also were an infant. And then they were a zygote. Zygote. They began that way. So did you. I would ask you to consider the very favorite feelings that you have. Maybe that's the embrace of a friend. Maybe it's a warm summer breeze. Maybe it's something like that. And what if it was just snapped and taken from you? I would imagine, I would ask you to imagine being in your bed at night, safe and warm. When someone comes to stick scissors in the back of your head and how you would fight for life. And then I would ask you to look at some videos of babies in the womb fighting for life, grasping the scissors with their hands, trying to repel the scissors with their legs. And then I would ask you that, that feeling you have of, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. What about to them? And I would ask you to pray about beings made in God's image. Then I would ask you again, is this really abortion? Is it really a medical procedure? And I would ask you, who is it you're killing? Now, see, those are very, very tough questions. And it requires a degree of truth-telling that most people are uncomfortable with. But there is lots of ways to be compassionate, but they all involve truth. People who do not care about you have no problem lying to you. People who care about you, if they lie, it's a bad idea. Only the people who truly love you will tell you the hard truths. These are heavy. And I get it. I get that the topics are heavy. One of the reasons that when we took the show to podcast, I was just so many listeners said, hey, you used to have fun talking about music. Can you bring back the features you used to do on music? So we brought back a mini feature where each show, or at least every other show, when I feel inspired, I want to talk about music that meant something to me in terms of a music review, because I can do music reviews quite legally on the show. One of my very favorite artists is so annoyingly liberal. And he is, to me, in terms of being a lyricist, he is the single most clever lyricist who has ever existed in pop or rock or any music like that. He's also one of the most unique singers. His style of singing is unmatched. And in terms of concept albums, he puts them out and he sneaks them out. Elvis Costello put out an album called The Imperial Bedroom. If you've never listened to it, I challenge you, get it, put it on headphones, listen to it, but read the lyrics end to end. It's an incredible concept album about the nature of relationships and how they break down, how they begin and how they break down and the fights and the undercurrents in relationships. He is an incredible artist in that regard. I got the opportunity to meet Elvis when he came to my internet radio company to play, I couldn't believe what happened. There was an intelligentsia and an elitist 
from a company called Salon.com who was there. And Elvis played Allison, his prime song. He played it, and this woman from this online magazine, Salon, when he finished, we're watching this astonished Elvis Costello in her studio with an acoustic guitar, just played Allison. And she said, that was pretty good. Could you play it again slower? And Elvis looked up at my program director like, what? And we said, um, Janelle, leave the room. I sponsored this. Yep, yep, yep. We'll give you your money back. Leave the room right now. And we were like to Elvis, Mr. McManus, his real name is Declan McManus. Declan, I am so sorry. Who is she? She's gone. But on the topic of hard truths and speaking hard truths, there is a song that he covered. It's not even his. It's Nick Lowe's. Sometimes if I am in a mood, I will crank this song in the car. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure. It's not the lyrically clever stuff that Elvis puts out, but he and Nick Lowe are very good friends. It's a song to me that sometimes inspires me to be kind when I don't feel like being kind. It is called, parenthetically, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. singing it's almost like he's congested all the time and the the style of songwriting of his the clang uh the jingle jang in the background and just the the vocal style by the way he can change that a bit but i've seen him live twice and it's even more pronounced live he's never stopped being the original punk i have a collection of songs in my in my i was gonna say my car because i'm that old i have a collection of songs that's kindness oriented and i'll tell you why i listen to it it's because in the business I'm in, sometimes it's horribly difficult to remain kind. And sometimes it's horribly difficult to live my faith. And Christ Jesus wasn't always kind. He was always loving. He wasn't always gentle. He mostly was but he was always honest. And anytime he even said to some of his, you know, his beloved followers, get behind me, Satan. He was doing that because he loved them. And I am no, nothing like him. But man, I can find myself being so awful. I was in a, we were headed out for a long road trip I, uh, this just pains me to admit. And I was waiting for, I was picking up uh, my daughter and her boyfriend. We were going to go on this long road trip. And I pulled in, I was really short on calories and really, really busy and really wanted to get over the pass and really running late. And I needed the gas up. 
I pulled up to this gas tank and this young woman pulled all the way forward. And, and I just thought, wait, you saw me coming. You know, I need to be in that pump. And the, the, the store was packed. Everybody was there from the whole town, it seemed. And there's a pump behind her. She could have backed up, but then, then someone took that. Oh my goodness. So my only hope to get gas at that point was her. And, and, and I just said, Hey, could you, could, I rolled my window. Hey, pardon me. Could you back up so I could just have this spot? You can get gas and I can get gas. And she wouldn't listen. I said, ma'am, pardon me. Could you back up? I, I just, there's no place else that I'm running late. And she, she just, she walked past me into the store. I acted like a punk. No, so I'll, I'll block you in. Well, you blocked me in and man, it's not, that's, that's not godly. It's not, it's not kind. And I did it and she was needing to pull out. And I said, oh, well, you know, you blocked me. I'm going to block you. And then she got out of her car and oh my gosh, you guys, she was in tears. It just struck me. I felt so utterly convicted. If the Lord was there right now, he would have said, hey, you're going to hell and have a good time. And she said, I don't know how to back up. And I said, I am so embarrassed for myself. I feel so sad the way I have treated you. No one has a right to treat you that way. I am so embarrassed. I'll back up. I am so, so sorry. By the way, my name is Todd. And she told me her name. She said, I should have told you, I just should have told you that I was afraid. I said, no, no, you don't owe me any explanations. So on the way over, we listened to my kindness playlist about 10 times. My daughter said, why do you have that? Well, I guess if she listens to the podcast, now she knows. Now she knows. Zach Abraham joins us next hour. Speaking of truth-telling. This is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well. Be strong. Be kind. And please do. Be right with God.